0: A Christian, you know, I've been in ministry now for 40 years, and I've had the privilege of watching people. And, and I would use the word; uh, the Bible uses the word. That's what we get: metamorphae, metamorphosis. That's what we use for the butterfly. And I have seen over the years people's lives transformed. Uh, we go all the way back to the early New Testament, and we have the early disciples. Fishermen, whose lives were dramatically, we know that from history, all of them, dramatically transformed. And so this morning, I would like you to think with me about transformation. It's one of the words in our mission statement. One of the things that we would like everyone here to be involved in, and that is transformational community. At our Q&A last week, someone asked I think a very good question. When, when you talk about people being involved in transformational community, what are you what are you talking about? And so we've been trying to explain that, both from a, a biblical view and also what we're looking at. And so this morning, I am going to share a message, and hopefully you will understand a little better what we're talking about when we talk about transformational community. I think one of the clearest for definition, uh, one of the clearest definitions we find is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. We're going to look at a few passages this morning, and this is the first one. And just by way of definition, and so <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 3, 18, here's what it says. We all with unveiled face... Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed, there's the word metamorphosized right there, into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. There is so much in that one verse. And so, just walk through it with me. And we all, so here's the first point. It is true of every believer. This is something, if you're a believer, transformation has taken place in your life. It's not a question of if it has, it has. If it hasn't, you're not a believer. If you are a believer, it has. And so we see that it says here, every believer, and it says with unveiled face. Now, that's a term that goes way back to the time when Moses saw the glory of God, and it's so, you know, after spending time with God, he came down, the people couldn't even look at him, so he put a veil over his faith. And and there's two meanings of that word veil. One is, it is the, you know, there, there was this, this veil which basically kept the people from seeing Moses. It was also a veil which kept Moses from, uh, from them seeing the receding of that of that glory that was on his face and so we see here in this context it it seems to be that what it means as believers is that there's there's no veil there's no hindrance between us beholding God it is said the Jews have a veil in front of them they can't see and so this is a picture of you and I that we have a freedom we have a freedom and and notice what that freedom is about it's about beholding his glory. So every believer has the opportunity to behold the glory of God. And so we see that in creation. We see that when we look at a butterfly. We see that when we look into the word of God. We see that when the spirit of God opens our eyes to these things. And so we are transformed as we see God for who he is. Someone has said the most important thing about you is what you believe about God. And what you believe about God is dependent on what you see about God and and what you, your understanding of who he is. Your understanding when the Bible says that God is good. You know, as you begin to understand the impact of that on your life, that everything God is doing is for your good. And that one day we will see the fullness of all the goodness of God. As you begin to understand those qualities of God, it will change your life. Notice the third thing. It happens to us. It happens to us. It says we are being transformed that we're being acted upon we're not transforming ourselves we're being transformed this is a work outside of ourselves in as much as you saw in that butterfly the butterfly had to do a few little things and we'll talk about that later but basically it just had to submit itself to the process of metamorphosis and so it's something that that is is happening to us it's interesting that it's only when we die that we live. And there's obviously a spiritual principle there as well. Then it says, fourthly, it says, we are all being changed into the same image, being transformed into the same image. Every believer is being transformed into the same image. Do you know what that image is? Do you have a picture of that in your mind? Romans 8:28 and 29 I think is one of the most insightful passages in terms of understanding what God is seeking to do in the life of a believer. Romans 8:28 and 29 it says and we know that for those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And then he tells us his purpose. For those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Conformed to the image of his Son. So what is the image that we're all being transformed? It says we're being transformed into the same image. We're all being made like Christ. And that is a a process here that is going on. That is a metamorphic process is that We are becoming more and more and more like Jesus Christ. One day, the Bible says, we shall be like him. Not kind of like him, or a little bit like him, or sort of like him. It just says one day, we'll see him as he is, and we will become like him. And so... God has started this process, and he's not, he's not going to stop it at 60% or 80% or 95%. He will fully bring us back around into the full image of his son, into full perfection. And this, mortem, this metamorphic process is, is how he's doing that. Notice next, this is an ongoing change and process. It says, from one degree of glory to another. So you and I are being transformed by degree. It doesn't just happen all at one time. It's a lifelong process of of being changed. It's important to understand as you look at your life. And then lastly, the power for this is from the Spirit of God. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So, quite a few things there in that one little verse. It's true of every believer. It involves beholding his glory. It happens to us. We're being changed all into the same image of Christ. It's an ongoing process that takes place all throughout our lives, and it is empowered by the Holy Spirit. The goal, then, is this. That in the end, we shall be like him. That's the goal of the process. That's the goal of transformation that God is doing in our lives. So this morning, I want you to think with me about our part in that process. You know, it's interesting that the caterpillar had to be involved in in some way. It, It had to crawl out on that limb and it had to attach itself had to be willing to, to die to its old way of life. And then when, to, when the time comes for that, for that caterpillar to, to break free, it, it had to go through the struggle of breaking out of that cocoon. And I'd like you to think with me about our lives sort of like breaking out of, of that cocoon. It's like God has done this work in our lives and... And we're trying to break free and we're trying to break out of that cocoon. It's a very important process. I was reading a story of a, a, a gentleman who was, I can't remember which kind of butterfly it was, it was maybe the, the monarch, but he had got a caterpillar and, and watched the cocoon, and the time came and this caterpillar was ready to come out. And so the cocoon started to split open, but the the caterpillar was having a hard time getting out of the cocoon. And so the man thought, you know what? I'm, I'm going to help this caterpillar because he seems to be struggling. So he took, a little, he took a little scissors and he just snipped a slip up the cocoon and made the hole larger. And almost immediately, the butterfly was, was able to come out. And it sat on the table... An hour went by, and two hours went by, and at the end of the day, it still hadn't moved. The next morning, he got up, and it was still there. It still hadn't moved, and eventually, it died, and one day, he was talking to a, a, a biologist about this, and he was saying, you know, I, I, I went through this process, and I was hoping to see this butterfly take off, and... And he described what had happened. The biologist said, "Oh, he said you should never cut. You should have never try to help that that butterfly out of that cocoon." He said because you see, it's the struggle. It's it's the struggle in getting out through that small hole that forces the fluid out of the body and into the wings. If it doesn't happen, it will never be able to fly. And in much the same way, I, I think the, it's, it's the struggle of, of, of coming out of this cocoon. It's the struggle of transformation. It's the struggle of becoming like Christ. It's in that struggle that, that things happen, things that we probably don't even understand. And sometimes we look and we say, God, wouldn't it be easy if you just make the opening a little bigger? But God has his purposes in those struggles. This morning, I, I want to share with you <clears throat> three, three resources, and we're just going to focus on one. Three resources that God has given us, three environments in which God brings about transformation. There certainly are more, and we're just going to talk about one this morning. I'll mention the three of them. I mentioned them before. I believe that God uses first and foremost the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, then the Word of God, and thirdly, the people of God to transform our lives. Now, there are other things God uses, but predominantly, I think it begins with the the Spirit of God, of course. But it's also as we, you know, that's what we talk about, being in the Word and reading the Word and and knowing the Word of God because it has a transforming power in all of us, as we'll see in just a moment. But this morning I want you to think with me about the transforming power of the people of God. So when we say at Bethany we want everyone to be a part of transformational community... What we're saying is we want people to be connected with one another in such a way that our <clears throat> lives can be transformed. Romans 12, 1 and 2. <clears throat> it's probably a verse you've heard before. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, <coughs> but be, here it is, transformed, metamorphosized by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. Now, usually we stop there. <coughs> we read that, say, okay, transformation comes as we renew our minds. So we need to be Reading the Bible, and we need to be thinking probably differently. Uh, God really invites us to look at ourselves and to look at life and to look at a lot of things very differently than we did before. So we need to we need to be doing things in our mind. <clears throat> but it, you know, it's interesting, and, and this all this all flows together. There's really not even a separation here. And Paul just continues on and he says, For by the grace given me, I say to everyone, do not think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment, according to the measure of faith God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another." And then he goes on to talk about gifts and how we are to serve one another in the body with gifts. So why is, that? why is that all part of the same thing? Well, I think it's all part of the same thing because Paul here is, you know, his admonition is to be transformed. And if you were to say, well, how does he say we are to do that? I would say the answer to that question would be, obviously, that you know, the, the following text says that we are to function in the body of Christ with the gifts God has given us. And I would submit to you that there is something transforming about functioning within the body of Christ, which is another word for functioning in transformational community. The body of Christ should be a transformational community. Unfortunately, it isn't always that way, but it it is intended by God to do that. And so we see here, as we serve each other in the context of the body of Christ, transformation takes place in our lives. There's two ways that that happens when we are involved in community with one another. The first way is that we have an opportunity to give. We have an opportunity to give. Giving will transform your life. We have an opportunity to be selfless. We have, a ter- we have an opportunity. Joe talked le- last week about being humble. It's in the context of the body. We have, we have the opportunity to develop qualities. You know, when I talk about me being transformed, I'm talking about qualities in my life that I'm taking on, that are different, that are stronger, that are are newer. And so let me ask you a question. Where do you learn forbearance? Or where do you learn gentleness or kindness? Where, Where do you learn how to forgive if no one ever offends you? Where do you learn that? You know where do we learn patience? Well, we learn it in the context of community. You know, every once in a while, you know, over the years, uh, someone will come in my office and say, "You know what? I'm done with this church. I'm I'm leaving." Somebody, you know, somebody said something that wasn't kind, and I, I'm not putting up with that, and I'm going somewhere else. I'm kind of like, really? It's like. Did you grow up in a family? Did anybody, would anybody in your family ever crabby? Did you ever get up in the morning and somebody said an unkind word? I mean, what does it, what does it mean to be a part of a family? Well, it means a lot of things, but it also means to learn to be forbearing and forgiving and understanding and, and patient and all those things. Where do we learn those things? Yeah, when our feelings get hurt, how do we deal with that? Where do we learn to deal with that? Do we just leave the family? Is that, is that the solution? And so transformation takes place as we rub shoulders with other people. And let's be honest, sometimes we just don't want to put up with that. It's like, why would I want to get involved in the church? I just, just more hassle. Then I have to put up with people, then I have to give. And it's going to take my time, it's going to take my energy. And, and pretty soon, we, just, we need to listen to ourselves. My, 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 me, 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 I, 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 I. The transformation God's looking for is not a me kind of transformation. It's a selfless, it's, it's taking on the character of God. Like Jesus, who humbled himself, became obedient, even to the point of death on the cross for us. And so, the church is a place where people have an opportunity to give and to serve. You know, I, th- I think probably the best response is someone came to, came to Jorai and said, hey, what, what opportunities, you know, what things do you have, what, what opportunities do you have here at, at Bethany? Well, we have an opportunity for you to give and to serve. We have an opportunity to sacrifice here. You know, people come to church and say, you know, uh, this ministry is really important, or this ministry is really important. Do you guys have that there? No, we don't have that. Okay, I'm going to go find a place that does. Instead, if we came into a church and said, what does this church not have? What does it not have, and how might I be able to contribute and maybe even provide something in that area of need? So there's something transforming about giving. It's the very essence of God, a giving God. God so loved the world that he gave. The second thing is it's a place to receive. It's a place to receive, and there are things that we all need from one another. There's an amazing power in the body of Christ. I remember a few years ago, I had followed a little bit the life of the ministry of of Larry Crabb. And it it was interesting to watch, as he got into his early 50s, he began to change. Uh, He would say God was transforming his life. And this is a, a, a professional counselor. This is the kind of guy that would counsel people up in front of a crowd of 300 people, and in some ways to impress people with his counseling abilities. And he, had this change that came about. He, he wrote the book Connected. And I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs there from, from what he said. He says, It's about time to go beneath the moralism that assumes the church's job is done when it instructs people in biblical principles and exhorts them to do right. And it's about time to find a better way to help each other when we struggle than the way of therapeutic culture which looks beneath every troublesome emotion or behavioral pattern to find a psychological disorder that needs repair. In other words, what he's saying is, in the church, we need more than some guy up here standing telling you what's right and what's wrong and what you should and what you shouldn't do. And we need more than, if you've got a serious problem, that, hey, I know a counselor that lives in Mosinee and for. A, you know, 125 bucks an hour, he can help you. There's got to be more than that that the church is offering. So he writes, I have strong reason to suspect that Christians sitting dutifully in church congregations for whom going to church means a variety of spiritual activities have been given resources that if released could powerfully heal broken hearts overcome damage done by abusive backgrounds, encourage the press to courageously move forward, stimulate the lonely to reach out, revitalize discouraged teens and children, and introduce hope into the lives of countless people who feel rejected alone and useless. Maybe going to church more than anything else means relating to people differently in your community. And then he writes, in recent days I have made a shift I am now working toward the day when communities of God's people, ordinary Christians whose lives regularly intersect, will accomplish most of the good that we now depend on mental health professionals to provide. And they will do it by connecting with each other in ways that only the gospel makes possible. You know, Joe shared a few weeks ago in his conversation with the school superintendent and chief of police, Number one problem in Wasa's mental health. It was interesting. I I thought it would be drugs. (laughs) I thought it would be something else, but mental health. I mentioned a few weeks ago at the shooting out in Colorado, the whole all these kids were there chanting, we want mental health. I was like, mental health. Our, our kids know it. They know the culture's broken. They've grown up in that culture. They, they know they need help. It's a lot of people that need help. And what Larry Crabb here is saying is, I think the answer's in the church. I don't think it's in professional counsel office. Now, there's a place for professional counseling. Don't hear me wrong. There's no way. There's no way they can address the needs in our culture today. And so transformational community is is a kind of community where people can come and and enter in and can find healing and can can find wholeness because of the dynamics going on within that body. 1 Corinthians 12. This is the final text here we'll look at. 1 Corinthians 12. Notice verses 12 and 27. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. Now, you are. I want you to listen to that. He says, you are the body of Christ. And individually, members of it. I just think that's That statement, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. I I tell people all the time, Christ has a head and he has a body. And we are the body. We're the body. I I think it's more than just a nice metaphor. I I think God actually looks at it that way. So people say, you know what, I don't have time for church. Church. I believe in Christ, but I don't have time for the church. Well, you, you really can't—you can't decapitate Christ. You can't say I have the head, but I, I'm not into the body. Christ has a head and a body, and transformation takes place, yes, through Christ and His work on the cross and the Spirit, but it also takes place in the body. There's a tremendous power in the body of Christ. Unfortunately, we can be unhealthy. Churches can have autoimmune disease. You know what autoimmune disease is? It's where your body starts to destroy itself. We have churches where anger and gossip and and, and malice and all kinds of things, just bodies just destroying themselves. Terribly unhealthy bodies where you would never want to bring someone because there would be no healing there. But if you have a, a healthy body, if you think about a body, I can usually find a, a cut somewhere in my hands, and I'm always, always cutting myself, and I'm so thankful. that Whenever I cut myself, every system in my body goes to work to heal it. You ever think about that? In a healthy body, whenever something happens, your body's, every system in your body is trying to bring about healing. That's what should happen in a church. Whenever something goes on in our lives, the body should always be working in a healthy body to bring about healing and restoration in whatever has happened in that that person's life. I don't know if you've ever known us in the transplant world, but you have just a few hours to get whatever it is reconnected with the body. Anytime you remove a member of the body from the body, it will not survive. And so this metaphor that, that Jesus gave to how he created his church to be the body, is a really important one. And the body of Christ was intended to be a transformational, transformational community. I remember a, I was just thinking back to my own experience of, uh, of transformational community. You know, I've been here 20 years now. I think one of the things that I will remember from being a part of a body and experiencing that was it was probably, I'm gonna say, it was probably seven, eight years ago now some of you, I sh- shared this before, but it was right before Christmas, and I, I have never been, uh, I've been discouraged, <coughs> but I, I've never been depressed before, and I, I, just, I just nosedived into this depression. I had no idea what was going on. It was, s- like, so scary. <coughs> I would wake up in the morning, and I would feel okay for about three seconds, and then this wave would wash over me, and some of you who have experienced that, uh, <clears throat> know what I know what I'm talking about, but for me that, that was something new, and I uh, it was it was it was a really hard time for me. And I, I remember going to the overseers and, and talking with them. And you, yeah, I'm the pastor. It's really hard to go to your overseers and say I'm depressed. And I'm depressed to the point where I feel like I can hardly function here. And I'll never forget, you know, this is a a sign of a, a healthy body. And my overseers came to me and they said, you know what, we want you to take a week off. We want you to just not show up. And we don't want you to count it as your vacation. We just want you to take this time and however long you need and we want you to get better. You know, when I look back over 40 years of ministry, it's probably one of the most, one of the strongest memories I have. I think it's one of the most powerful memories that I have. And it's powerful because it was an act of a church body, and this church body, caring about me personally. You know, when you experience that in, a, in, a, in the body of Christ, it's incredibly powerful. And when you don't experience that, when you're in that dark place, and you're all alone, and there's nobody there, that's equally as, as difficult. And so I, I want to just today, I, I want to uh, encourage us to realize there is an incredible transformational component to the body of Christ. But we've got to come together, we've got to know each other, we have to be in relationship. Uh, we can't do it if we're separated from one another. We can't do it if we're operating in our, in our flesh and, and not in the Spirit of God. But it's our prayer that as we move out into the future that, that Bethany would continue and that we would grow and that we would expand the opportunity to experience the transformational power of the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for uh, the, the body of Christ. Father, I thank you for its power in, in my life over the years. Father, as I think about, as we think about two things, as we think about the needs that we have to, to feel connected, Lord, you have put within us this need for connection, Connection with you, which means connection with your son, Jesus Christ, and connection with the body of Christ. So I, I pray that we would experience that in deeper levels uh, in, in the days to come. Father, I, I thank you for also the, the mission you've given us to cross boundaries and reach out to people. Father, as we do that, we're going to run into a lot of people who are in need of a healthy, transformational community to be a part of. And so I pray that that might be true of this church. We pray for Bethany. We pray that we would be a place of healing and that we would be a place of transformation for people in and around our community. Father, thank you for just your transforming work in our lives. Thank you for the goal of that transformation, that one day we will be like you. It's to that end that we pray. Thank you in in Jesus' name. Amen.